Welcome to Day 177 of Shaped by the Word, Season 2, The Drama of Scripture. Uh, this week we're uh, talking about Solomon's reign, and of course it started off incredibly well as he humbles himself before the Lord and said, I'm only a, a small child and I need your wisdom and I need your instruction uh, in order to lead this great people of yours. So he recognized that the, the people are not there to serve him, they're there to serve God, and he is there as uh, God's representative to the people. So he starts in a really grand place. I did include this in our reading, but I'm going to read it you know, to you. Uh, in chapter 4, you begin to see the wealth and the grandeur that's coming you know, in, in, in Solomon's temple. So in verse 20, it just talks about his daily provisions. And, and this is a nice background to see what's going on and where, where Solomon is actually getting off course. It said, The people of Judah and Israel were as numerous as the sands on the seashore. They ate, they drank, and they were happy. And Solomon ruled over all the kingdoms from the Euphrates to the land of the Philistines as far as the border of Egypt. These countries brought tribute and uh, were Solomon's subjects all of his life. Solomon's daily provisions, this is just sitting around Solomon's table, were 30 cores of the finest flour and 60 cores of meal, 10 head of stall-fed cattle, 20 of pasture-fed cattle, and 100 sheep and goats, as well as deer, gazelles, roebucks, and a choice fowl. For he ruled over all the kingdoms west of the Euphrates from Tephash to Gaza and had peace on all sides. During Solomon's lifetime, Judah and Israel from Dan to Beersheba lived in safety, everyone under their own vine and under their own fig. Solomon had 4,000 stalls for chariot horses and 12,000 horses. The district governors each in his month supplied provisions for King Solomon and all who came to the king's table. They saw to it that nothing was lacking. They also brought... Uh, to their proper place, the quotas of barley and straw for the chariots and the horses and the other horses. So you see both, uh, you know, both the grandeur, uh, the blessing uh, that he didn't ask for was, you know, wealth and honor, and you see the height of the wealth and honor. Uh, but the health and honor will eventually be his downfall. So before we come to chapter six, uh, let's um, offer this moment and ourselves to the Lord, and then we'll read today's reading of which the other reading from four was just a bonus reading. <laughs> David, pray. lead us in prayer. Let's pray. Father, how can we not be uh, taken back um, by all that you have graciously given us? Um, all the riches we get to enjoy on this earth, and we know they all come from your hand, and, and nothing compares to what you've given us in Christ Jesus. And so thank you for your son. May he be the thing we truly treasure and truly enjoy above and beyond all other things, um, for he alone is worthy. And so help us to behold him now as we turn to your scriptures. We pray us all in his name. Amen. Part of God's promise to David was that uh, your son will build a house for my name. And uh, we see the fulfillment of that in uh, 1 Kings 6. In the 480th year after the Israelites came out of Egypt, in the fourth year of Solomon's reign over Israel, in the month of Ziv, the second month, he began to build the temple of the Lord. The temple that King Solomon built for the Lord was 60 cubits long, 20 wide, and 30 high. The portico at the front of the main hall of the temple extended the width of the temple, that is 20 cubits, and projected 10 cubits from the front of the temple. He made, a narrow, he made narrow windows high up in the temple walls. Against the walls of the main hall and the inner sanctuary, he built a structure around the temple in which there were side rooms. The lowest floor was five cubics wide, the middle floor six cubics, and the third floor seven cubics. 
He made offset ledges around the outside of the temple so that nothing could be inserted into the temple walls. In building the temple, only blocks dressed at the quarry were used, and no hammer, chisel, or any other iron uh, tool was heard at the temple site while it was being built. The entrance to the lowest floor was on the south side of the temple. The stairway led up the middle level and from there to the third, so he built the temple and completed it, roofing it with beams and cedar planks. And he built the side rooms all along the temple. The height of each was five cubits, and they were attached to the temple by beams of cedar. The word of the Lord came to Solomon, As for this temple you are building, if you follow my decrees and observe my laws and keep all my commands and obey them, I will fulfill through you the promise I gave to David your father. And I will live among the Israelites, and I will not abandon my people Israel. So Solomon built the temple and completed it. He lined its interior walls with cedar boards paneling from the floor of the temple uh, to the ceiling, and covered the floor of the temple with planks of juniper. He partitioned off 20 cubics at the rear of the temple with cedar boards from floor to ceiling to form within the temple an inner sanctuary, the most holy place. The main hall in front of this room was 40 cubics long. The inside of the temple was cedar, carved with gourds and open flowers. Everything was cedar, no stone uh, was to be seen. He prepared the inner sanctuary within the temple to set the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord there. The inner sanctuary was 20 cubics long, 20 wide, and 20 high. He overlaid the inside with pure gold, and he also overlaid the altar of cedar. Solomon covered the inside of the temple with pure gold, and he extended gold chains across the front of the inner sanctuary, which was overlaid with gold. So he overlaid the whole interior with gold. He also overlaid with gold the altar that belonged to the inner sanctuary. For the inner sanctuary, he made a pair of cherubim out of olive wood, each ten cubits high. One wing of the first cherubim was five cubic longs, and the other wing five cubits, ten cubits from wingtip to wingtip. The second cherub also measured ten cubits, where the two cherubim were identical in size and shape. The height of each cherub was ten cubits. He placed the cherub inside the innermost room of the temple with their wings spread out. The wing of one cherub touched one wall while the wing of the other touched the other wall, and their wings touched each other in the middle of the room. He overlaid the cherubim with gold. On the walls all around the temple in both the inner and outer rooms, he carved cherubim, palm trees, and open flowers. He also covered the floors of both the inner and outer rooms of the temple with gold. Through the entrance to the inner sanctuary, he made doors out of olive wood. They were one-fifth of the width of the sanctuary. And on the two olive wood doors, he carved carved cherubim, palm trees, and open flowers, and overlaid the cherubim and palm trees with hammered gold. In the same way, for the entrance to the main hall, he made door frames out of olive wood that were one-fourth of the width of the hall. He also made two doors out of juniper wood, each having two leaves that turned in sockets. He carved cherubim, palm trees, opened flowers on them, and overlaid them with gold hammered evenly over the carvings. And he built the inner courtyard of three courses of dressed stone and one course of trimmed cedar beams. Foundation of the temple of the Lord was laid in the fourth year in the month of Ziv, in the eleventh month in the year of Bull, the eighth month. The temple was finished in all of its details according to its specifications. He had spent seven years building it. Uh, so we have a description of the temple, and of course, uh, grand in both its breadth and depth. Temple would be a little bit, you know, for, uh, for us, we're you know, kind of used to mega churches. It'd be a little smaller than a, a mega church, but as a single sanctuary, quite impressive, uh, you know, sanctuary. 
And of course, you had uh, these cherubim that were about 14 foot tall, just kind of in the middle sanctuary, hovering over the other two cherubim that were already going to be on the Ark of the Covenant. And you have carb, you know, cherub all the way through. And of course, our first mention of cherub in the scripture is whenever you know, we are banned from the garden and the cherub guard the entrance to the temple, protecting God's holiness uh, from you know, the sinful humanity. And, and so you have this wonderful picture of that. But you also have kind of, you know, those garden images, the palm mm-hmm. trees and mm-hmm. open flowers and uh, the, the, the gourds. And so you <clears throat> were reminded that the, uh, the initial, you know, sanctuary was even more grand. Yeah. You know, this is overlaid in gold and this is overlaid, you know, in all, you know, the fine things, you know, that, that, that man can provide. But the original one was made by God, which he backed away and said, this is good, this is good, this is good, this is very good. And so this is far from God's perfect plan for our lives, but it is a place where God says to Solomon, if you honor me, I will live among you and be your God. And of course, that's the heart of the promise. Yeah, yeah that's one of the things that immediately comes to mind, you know, is, is that that garden temple that we see, you know, yeah. in the early part of, of Genesis where God is dwelling among his people and they're called to obey him and to live, you know, among him and he will live among them and he won't, and yet they turn from him. And I just, I love the description as God is uh, once again going to dwell in the midst of his people. Uh, it says everything, uh, where was it? Inside the temple, uh, inside of the temple was cedar carved with gourds and open flowers. Everything was cedar. No stone was to be seen. You know, that you, you get that sense of it, it is reminiscent you know, to the garden, pointing us back to God's desire is to be among his people. And yet, you know, these images remind us of, of the presence of God. You know, now what it looks like to be in his presence. I mean, th- these would be vivid reminders yeah. of what God intended, but also with the cherubim there uh, of what's been restricted, you know, mm-hmm. or, or the holiness of God. Yeah, no, there's, we're invited into the presence of God, but you can only come so close, no far, no further, mm-hmm. uh, until uh, until Christ mm-hmm. uh, is the final sacrifice, ushers us into the very presence of God. And of course, tears the barrier. <laughs> easy for me to say, <laughs> rips the barrier, that curtain yeah. dividing you know this part of the temple from the rest of the temple, so that we have. You know, easy access to God the Father through Jesus Christ. Interesting enough, the uh, the altars were not to be made of dressed stone. There's kind of a compromise here. They they dress the stone away from the temple site, mm-hmm. so that you do not have the irreverence of the iron or the you know the clanging. It's a very holy place that they're coming into quietly, even as they even as they set the stones. Mm. I'm just struck, um, of course, by all, all those things that y'all said, um, but also. Just looking back um, to where God's people came from, I mean, not only are they, as as you read earlier in the bonus reading, um, <laughs> what did it say? That they it's my first like uh, bonus reading sea. ever in the podcast history. <laughs> they were as numerous. Except for the one time when I read more than I should have. But anyway. <laughs> that they're as numerous as the sand on the seashore. So not only have they grown tremendously since, you know, the what we read in Genesis and um, into Exodus, and but also just look at how he has graciously blessed them. I mean, oh yeah, they they came out of Egypt as slaves with the with the things that the Egyptians gave them because of the blessing of the Lord. 
But now what they're able to use to build this temple is unreal. So just like thinking about the, the blessing of the Lord. And, and we know that like when we say, God, thank you that I'm so blessed. Like there are blessings that aren't material, material. things. Um, but to see just how gracious he has been, um, and it's all from from him. It's not at all. It, it's exactly what he said would happen, which is that, that he would provide all of these things for his people. And of course, you're hearing you know the echo of Lot of the Abrahamic yep. uh, covenant, uh, where he says your descendants will be as many as you know the sand on the seashore. Mm-hmm. And so you hear you know the saying, God has fulfilled his promise, you know, to Israel. And he also said, I will bless you. And so and the, the, the blessing is there, and you're right. When we think of blessing, we think of material blessing, but the real blessing in this chapter is God's saying, mm-hmm. I will be with you. I'll be here among you. And, and of course, the blessing of God's presence is the blessing from which all of his common graces you know, flow. Mm-hmm. And we do remember you know, David in the moment in crisis who said, I'm willing to give up the kingdom, but please don't take your Holy Spirit or mm-hmm. uh, your presence from me. Mm-hmm. And, and so the temple is a very symbol of God's holy presence among his sinful people, uh, his desire to be with us, but uh, also a symbol of how our sins have separated us you know, from our God. Father, thank you um, for your desire to be among your people. And thank you. Uh, that the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. And uh, John could later say, as he wrote to the churches, we've seen Him, we've touched Him, we've listened to Him, we've heard Him, what our hands have felt, what we've touched, what we've heard. We proclaim to you concerning the Word of truth. Uh, We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. Our fellowship is with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. Amen.